and welcome to episode number 161 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Stephen Andrus, the newest leg of the podcast here. You can find us on Twitter at MattBrownM2, at Brett Colson, at Stephen Andrus1. We are going to talk a little bit about Major League Baseball before we get to opening day here. We're going to talk some news that has gone on in the industry as well. We're going to talk some Final Four, their big change over in the NFL that will affect how we bet moving forward, or will it? We'll talk about that as well. But guys, I wanted to kick things off here with something that dropped pretty much right before we got going. It wasn't even in the original rundown, but with it starting tomorrow and opening day starting tomorrow, figured it's something we should talk about here. But the Major League Baseball announced that they will actually be producing and airing Better's I, B-E-T-T-O-R-S-I, um, a betting show on MLB.TV. So this is actually on their own network being produced by them. And, um, you know, Brett, you and I have covered the way that these leagues have gone about sports betting and, and the positions that these leagues have taken on sports betting, major league baseball being one of the biggest ones out there talking all kinds of garbage about sports betting, saying how it was, it was bad and they wanted to, you know, be a part of it. And if they weren't getting an integrity fee, this, that, and the other. And here we are a day before the 2021 season, the first pitch tomorrow morning, and we now have a betting show, not not just about Major League Baseball and not just kind of like a little bit endorsed by Major League Baseball, but actually airing on one of their networks in MLB.TV. Yeah, this all happened pretty fast, right? <laughs> just all of a sudden, the leagues are all in, including MLB. Very cool, though. I I love the programming at MLB TV, so I am hoping they do a good job with this. Always a worry with these shows that they go with personalities over betting experts. And then you have something like you find on Fox that uh, is just not for and it's not for us. It might be for a different audience, whatever. But we'll see. I'm excited to check it out on Thursday. Steven, it's going to air at six Eastern. So, I mean, they are literally putting this right up to when the games are going to go to when the games are going to go live. So, I mean, it'll, it'll run right up until first pitch on ever on typical days. It is airing earlier tomorrow with it being the exception on opening day of the game starting earlier, but the, the normal time slot will be six o'clock Eastern. So, I mean, this is a, this is really and truly an alternative to the pregame show. I mean, this is, this is a, this is a for betters out there leading directly into first pitch every night in major league baseball. Yeah, I mean, to kind of uh, go along with what Brett was saying, I feel like, you know, Ron Burgundy right now, that escalated quickly, huh? Huh, guys? I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and it's on MLB.TV and, and won't be blacked out, which is also a nice change of pace. You know, for us baseball fans in our home markets, it's tough to f- watch baseball if you don't have the full cable package. So, you know, it's nice to see these betting options kind of coming up. I echo what Brett said, you know, from I remember a few weeks back when the PGA Tour launched their betting show in a, in partnership with NBC Sports on their Peacock Network and you know, for a first time betting show, it was it was a, a valiant attempt, but you could tell the talent wasn't really, you know, they weren't experts on the betting markets for live golf betting. Um, so my hope as well is that we have some some information based talent on there that can really, um, you know, add some more color than what we've normally seen in, in recent years as betting becomes more and more mainstream. Um, but I'm excited for it. Right. I mean, this is just another indication that our industry is growing, that interest is growing as well. And 
Um, you know, I, it is interesting though, Matt, you know, they were, they were against it until they can figure out how to make money off of it. Right. Just like anything. Yeah, it is. It is. It's funny how that works, but that is definitely the case with that going on here. Not a ton of extra news here for us. Again, this just kind of came down right before we were about to go on air. But as we get more details and as we all get a chance to check it out as well, we'll be sure and come back and give you our thoughts as to what's going on over there on MLB.tv. But pretty interesting Major League Baseball getting in on everything that's going down here. Um, Guys, some other news that dropped yesterday, which is a pretty kind of came out of nowhere. DraftKings acquired the Vegas Stats and Information Network. VEASAN, you may have heard of that, founded by Brent Musburger back when Brent Musburger just uh, retired from play-by-play, came out to Vegas. He started a media network that was centered around sports betting. And you're saying like, well, what's the big deal about that? And the big deal about that is, he actually had no idea the passport was going to be repealed. This was this was launched way before any of that actually happened. So they were just kind of betting on betting, actually, and that it was going to be a, uh, a thing and that sooner or later that maybe something was going to happen with PASPA. But certainly it was not launched with the idea that it was going to happen as soon as it was. And uh, with that came probably a little bit earlier of a payday than they expected. Uh, DraftKings, no financial details were released with the press release as to how much was paid for that. But again, DraftKings is a publicly traded company, so we'll know that here whenever their quarterly reports have to get filed. So we'll definitely know exactly how much they did pay for VEASAN with all of that. But uh, Brett, full disclosure, I do a show on VEASAN, so I'm, uh, I just want everyone to know that whenever I go in and kind of give my my opinions on everything here. But I mean, if you're if you're VEASAN, I think this is probably the very best case scenario for you. I mean, listen, ESPN decided to go their own way. Fox, as you just mentioned a little bit ago, decided to go their own way. CBS acquired BetQL and then that's how they they tried to go about, you know, everything. And so I, there's there's like uh you know, everybody had, as far as media companies, had either partnered up and or just decided to do their own thing with this. And so for a for a network like VEASAN, you know, getting acquired from a sports book outside of just a, a big venture capital firm wanting to come in and just be within the space and acquiring them or something like that was probably the next best option. So uh, probably a win win here, I guess, for for both companies. I am curious to hear your opinion on this because the optics are a bit muddled for me. And look, we are we are an affiliate for DraftKings and many other sports books. We work with them. We drive traffic to their to their operation with content about sports betting. There's no secret about what we do, but we aren't owned by the sports book. With this acquisition, you now have a sports book acquiring a media outlet that has long been independent and recognized as a leader in sports betting information for the sports betting consumer. That's the exact type of person DraftKings is trying to acquire as a customer. So now you've got a bit of a perceived conflict of interest, whether it exists or not, uh, when the sports book owns the media outlet that's talking about making sports bets, uh, sports bets. And I think that puts some of the analysts and on-camera personalities at VEASAN in a, in, a, in a weird spot. Do I think DraftKings is going to force agendas and content strategy on people over there? No. But the perception still exists from the outside. And I've worked for a gambling company, a media company that was owned by an operator. They, they didn't influence the content we were putting out, but it's still a strange dynamic when it comes to trust with your audience and the agenda behind a piece of content you write about that company. So I am very curious to see how this plays out. I don't anticipate a whole lot of changes 
other than seeing more DraftKings ads and, and, you know, reference to DraftKings Sportsbook odds. Uh, and obviously, I think they're going to move, move the studio over to DraftKings, DraftKings headquarters uh, in Vegas, right? Uh, I don't, I don't even think that to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, um, I think everything is pretty much staying status quo Whether at least that's, you know, listen, they're, they're always going to say this stuff, but literally, you know, as part of the deal that that they even put in the press release that it was going to stay, you know, independent when it came to the content and things like that. And I, I think I'm with you, Brad. I mean, I can't see the upside of DraftKings coming in and really changing the content on the network because what you were buying was really the content on the network, right? I mean, that's what you were purchasing in the first place. And so if you come in and start drastically changing that, then the entity that you purchased isn't really the entity that, it, that, that you purchased. So I, I don't know. I mean, again, we'll see how this all plays out, but again, they, they say it's going to be, uh, for the content side of things going to be independent. I, I know what you're talking about from the media side of things with uh, the other deal. I think the difference in this and not that they had a choice, publicly traded company and DraftKings, but uh, this was completely disclosed from the get go. You know, one of the things that went on uh, in the, the company that you were talking about was that it was kind of under wraps for a long time. And it seemed like there was a bit, a little bit of deceitfulness or at least uh you know maybe it wasn't even deceitful it just was uh not not disclosing all of the information as soon as that happened but i mean listen you and i both know uh fanduel owns number fire right and like and that's been that's been a long time now and i think people still look at number fire as a as a site that still puts out quality content and they trust the people that are putting out the content over there and different things so uh i think this can work now, you know, time will tell with, with everything. But Stephen, you know, I mean, I I do understand how optics can be a little uh, a little weird with something like this. But unless it is basically like all DraftKings all the time, which, again, I don't think it will be, then I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think it's so incredibly bad. I actually think it's probably a good thing for both companies. Um, and, you know, you guys had mentioned you hadn't seen a number yet. I, I did see um, a sports betting reporter on Twitter say that he had been told it was in the range of, of about $100 million for the acquisition. Um, but my first reaction to this was was more um, kind of a 30,000 foot view and that it did not surprise me in the least that DraftKings went to Vegas for content before Vegas came to online sports betting and the online sports betting experience uh, in general. You know, and Matt, you can kind of echo this being, you know, in Las Vegas yourself. But, you know, um, you know I, I've always loved the VEASAN experience, you know, ever since they launched. I thought it was a great idea. You know, my buddy is a huge Brent Musburger fan. So we took him out to Vegas for his bachelor party and he wanted to go to the South Point and and sit outside the giant plexiglass mm-hmm. cube and watch Brent Musburger do his show. So it was really neat for him to, to have that experience. But, you know, it does not surprise me in the least that DraftKings has been more forward thinking with content than Las Vegas has been with implementing a a more uh, user friendly online sports betting experience. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, you know, 100 percent. And Brett, we'll kind of dovetail into that here in in just a second. Um, You know, kind of putting a bow on this. I mean, one of the things I think whenever you look at 
this from kind of a, a macro level, right, is, you know, content, I do believe, while DraftKings produces content and actually has some really great contributors over there. I mean, you and I are big fans of, of Pat Mayo, who does really great content. He does content for DraftKings. I'm sure some of that will will start to kind of get cross-promoted and, and different things like that. But for whatever reason, as a consumer, you want you want your for whatever reason you want your content to come from a third party like you you like don't want your content coming from the source and for for whatever reason it doesn't matter how great it could possibly be you just want third party content for some strange reason you do you feel like the wool is being pulled over your eyes or something when it's coming from you know the source itself now that's not that's not saying just DraftKings I mean like you know NFL the NFL itself like you know we we for the pregame shows on CBS or on, you know, ESPN and things like that, as opposed to the one on, on, on NFL network. And so it's just, for whatever reason, we just always tend to gravitate towards wanting that third party content and stuff. And so again, I, I, I think, and we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But I mean, I think that's what DraftKings understands and knows as well. And so, you know, as opposed to trying to just continue to, to, to pour a ton of money into creating their own stuff, acquire a company that's already doing third party stuff. Now, if they integrate you a little bit more than they already do, fine. Um, but you you definitely have kind of that in your portfolio. And one thing I'll just add along those lines, Matt, mm-hmm. to what you were just saying is, you know, I. I, I have a background of working a couple of years directly for an NFL team. I had worked for the Indianapolis mm-hmm. Colts for a couple of years. So along those that idea of, you know, wanting to get your sports information from a third party source that, you know, is independent and unbiased, you know, for our audience, we they understand the importance of that. But, you know, I will also say, you know, having worked for a team directly for a couple of years, there is a large segment of the sports fan audience out there that doesn't care, believe it or not, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, They don't really care to differentiate between the two. They're just a huge fan of the team and they're going to cheer for them no matter what. So, um, you know, unfortunately that, that is the case in some places. And um, you know, you mentioned FanDuel with number five. That's a great example of, you know, still remaining independent uh, with their content, even though they do own them now, hopefully that's still the case here with DraftKings and VEASAN. Um, but you know, believe it or not, there's still a, a lot of people out there that will go to their teams directly or go to their books in this case directly for the content and not even realize or even consider the fact that what they might be looking at, um, may not be coming from an independent source. Um, Brett, you and I have, have, you know, sat here and lamented sports betting Twitter for the longest amount of time. But again, I, I think this is a perfect opportunity for us to hit on it just real quick. No matter what you think about any of these things and all that, like the first thing sports betting Twitter does is come out and is like, oh, well, I'm canceling my subscription because DraftKings limits betters and stuff. And I, you know, how could you just sell out to a sports book and yada, yada, yada. I mean, like, listen, companies, companies don't get founded to like just to just stay level or whatever. Like, like you, you either want to get acquired or you want to like really just blow things up or something like that. And like, that was just not going to happen with, with visa and outside of doing some sort of major partnership or an acquisition type deal or something. And then further on top of that, this is just to, to go back to this whole getting limited stuff and, and all that. And, and Brett, I have no numbers in front of me, but I think you would agree 
we are literally talking about 0.01% of betters out there who may or may not have ever gotten limited about something like this is like this is like this big running thing within the sports betting world that is they're just piling on because a couple of guys have posted screenshots over the course of their careers about getting limited on certain sports books and stuff and then they start talking like like this is just commonplace and that this happens all the time when I guarantee you this is 0.001% of betters or percent of bets that have ever been limited on any of these platforms. And that's not just DraftKings in general. Yeah, it's a small sub, 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 subsection of sports bettors. But the problem is people with followings in the sports betting industry get wind of this. And yeah, they use it to kind of throw shade at these books that they don't like. So that's, you know, that's where we that's where we see a lot of this come from is from these these guys who do have the followings and they're pushing it out. And yeah, it looks like it's happening a lot more than it probably is. So this kind of goes into uh, another deal here that we wanted to talk about, because like so when this deal, when this uh, deal between DraftKings and Visa was announced, then uh, from the kind of uh, it started, I think, on the official Circa Twitter account and then went to people who are employed at Circa, um, basically talking about throwing shade, um, yeah. basically kind of going after pretty much everybody except themselves. <laughs> I mean, like basically like going after uh, everybody in uh, the industry. And, and Brett, listen, we've we've seen this from time to time and we kind of just shook our head and didn't really say anything about it. But it seems like this is just happening like more and more and more. And that this is like a thing that is going to continue to happen i guess like like circa is kind of taking this and, and look i like the guys over at circa and i, I bet at circa and and i'll be the first to admit all this stuff but it's just like you know at some point it kind of seems like you're being a little petty with with everything where it's like you're all you take every single opportunity you can have to take a shot at what is and there's no questioning this they're the market leaders i mean like you can sit here all you want to but i mean like you're 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 taking shots at dudes that are like stratospheres out of your league when it comes to what they're doing as far as handle and and brand recognition and pretty much every other aspect of everything and so i don't know it's just a it's a it's a weird it's a weird hill to die on for me yeah they've gone on the full offensive about really about the shape of U.S. sports betting, right? And it, it's it's turned into an old school versus new school battleground. I mean, really, it's just circa shouting at the sky because none of the other books are responding. But clearly, the people there are not happy with the direction of the industry with these upstarts like DraftKings and FanDuel controlling the market share early on, especially on the East Coast. And one guy at Circa in particular, Matthew Metcalf, who's the director at Circa Sports, has been especially vocal I was looking at his account today. His pinned tweet right now. You got to love it from a month ago uh, says the people operating U.S. sports books don't know anything about sports betting in America and are trying to construct the industry so that it doesn't matter. Don't accept their version of sports betting. It sucks. And I mean, he he goes on and on about uh, the, the lack of technical expertise and, and everything that goes along with it. And then this this week, he and the the Twitter account at Circa. They took a jab at Odds Boost this week. Odds Boost, of course, a very popular marketing tool at DraftKings and FanDuel and all the online books. Meanwhile, Circa, known for having the best numbers in the industry without Odds Boost. So, I, I understand where Circa's coming from. I think if you ask the guys who have been around the industry in Vegas, all of them would tell you that Circa is the standard for what 
they want sports betting to be. So really, that begs the question now, what should sports betting be in the U.S.? And with DraftKings coming in and acquiring VSIN, it really got me thinking this week. Should sports betting be a marketplace where everyone is treated as equals and all bets are available to everyone and everything is transparent? Or should it be treated more as entertainment? Or should there be a mix? Why can't you have both books that cater to serious sports bettors? uh, and that's, that's it. That's like, that's literally it. And this is why I don't understand why this has become such a big deal for them. Yeah. It's like, because I think everyone can have their place. If you want to be that we're the, we're where the serious betters bet, then fine. That's you're where the serious betters bet then. And like, and like that can be your claim to fame, but this whole, like taking shots at, at, at books out there that again, and this goes back to us talking about these, these betters that claim to be limited all over the place. And I'm saying that that's 0.001% of betters. Well, you know, serious betters and the people who don't like these odds boost things and the people who don't like these promos that are getting run and people who don't like these profit boost things that are are going on. That is literally the 1% as well. Like 99%, the vast majority of the market out there are people who do enjoy these things and people who do want these things and people who do value them and think they're important. Because I can tell you right now, these companies have spent a ton of time and money and effort figuring out what the consumer wants. They're not just pulling this out of their ass and saying like, oh, I'm just going to throw this out there because we think it's going to work. Brett, these companies were doing this in the in the DFS space for a long time to be able to figure out what works, what doesn't, what do consumers want, what do consumers don't want. And, and that is like literally shaped their marketing strategy as they move forward with all of this. And so like, Stephen, I, I look at this and I say like, you know, Sure. If you want to say that we're where sharp betters bet and we're the ones that, you know, have the the least amount of theoretical hold when it comes to the futures markets and things like for the people that is important to that holds a lot of weight and you are going to get their business for sure. But to take shots at the at the at the other sites that don't necessarily cater to those people. I don't know. It just seems a little short sighted to me. It seems like just take what you do best, brag about what you do best. Don't make fun of the other people who, again, by the way, are doing what they do best and they're crushing it with what they're doing. I think there's a chance it might also be a tad hypocritical as well, because, uh, you know, these these DraftKings and FanDuel, these are the market leaders in online sports books. But you have to be pretty naive if you believe that these books out in Vegas, the traditional ones, the with the the hardcore sports betters who have been there for years, and and the the high limit guys and the and the sharps, the ones that are running those books, you have to be pretty naive if you believe they also haven't been trying to figure out how to capture some of that market that DraftKings and FanDuel have done, if and when Nevada ever allows some of these online sports betting that we see in other states now. And I can tell you that um, I recently had a conversation with an advisor to somebody that was extremely high up at one of the Las Vegas casino uh, conglomerates. And I, I can't tell you who, uh, because I promised I would, I would keep it confidential. But I will tell you that this conversation was within the past year and they came to me and they wanted to know all the ins and outs of the user experience for a casual sports better who goes on a DraftKings or a FanDuel or any one of the number of online sports books in New Jersey. I myself am based in Pennsylvania, but I have from time to time gone over to New Jersey as well. They wanted to know everything from how is it geolocated? How do they handle payments? How do they handle withdrawals? What offers do they have? 
And I'm sitting there and I'm happy to help them out and, and be a resource for this. But I'm also thinking in the back of my head, you know, this is 2020, 2021, you know, and you guys are mm-hmm. now just trying to figure this out and trying to capture some of this market space. And, you know, for to hear this from somebody at Circus Sports, you know, I have to believe that the management up there and the higher ups haven't at least already been trying to do this themselves and haven't been able to figure it out to the point to push for, you know, online deposits or online withdrawals where you can't you where you don't have to just go into a casino to do that and then use the app. So, you know, in my opinion, it come these comments come off as, you know, naive or potentially even hypocritical because, um, you know, they haven't been able to quite do it themselves. And we're now in 2021. Yeah, I mean, we look, we kind of look at this and listen, I, I talk about this all the time, so I don't feel bad saying here, I was talking about it on, the, on our on our show, you know, I mean, it's the offerings in Nevada are complete garbage compared to what they are in the rest of the country. I mean, I couldn't, you can't go in and find, you know, player props for every single player for every single game like you can in every other state in the country on DraftKings or FanDuel or PointsBet or BetMGM and whatever that you can. And in Las Vegas, they don't just don't have it up, you know, like they just don't post the stuff like they, they just, and you know, there's a tired excuse out there that like, oh, well, it doesn't get bet anyway. Well, you know, why don't you let the public decide that whether it's going to get bet or not, as opposed to just saying, you know, oh yeah, it's not going to get bet anyway. So we're not going to take the chance of putting it up and, and things like that. I mean, it's, they're behind the times in Vegas and maybe that is a little bit of just a, a little bit of, I don't know, maybe they're jealous a little bit of what's going on the rest of the country or something, but it's, um, it's pretty interesting that that's the, the line to take Brett before we, before we move on, you know, um, your, your question of, you know, what is best for sports betting is it's the same deal as like, you know, I mean, you and I come from the online poker days, right? I mean, there was a different type of player on poker stars than there was on full tilt than there was on some of the gimmick sites that came up there for a while. Then it came up to whatever. Like, I don't know why you can't, everybody can't coexist and just try and focus on what their strength is as opposed to what they, what they perceive to be the weaknesses of, of their competition. Um, that's what I would do. I would just, sit there and and beat my chest over what I say that I do the best in the industry. And that should, you know, hopefully be enough to get myself some enough business or enough market share to feel really good about what I'm doing. Cause I mean, Circa is not just a Circa is not just a a Nevada book anymore. They're in Colorado. They have their eyes set on going to some other States as well. And so, you know, if that's, if, if your attitude is that you're not going to do what all of these other guys are doing, then I think that you probably should just focus on what you think you're doing the best. Definitely. And look, I think Circa makes a lot of good points. And I've spoken out against some of the marketing techniques used by some of our partners. I haven't liked a lot of it. I I also wish they were more transparent about betting limits. I don't like that part of what some of these books are doing. Uh, But at the same time, they're offering a really, really good product. And if you're offering a great product that the majority of consumers love, why shouldn't that be the future? Yeah, I mean, thousands and thousands of markets every single day that they offer because it's every sport, it's every single market available. I mean, like I'm just looking right now at what you can bet 
you know, as far as as far as baseball for, you know, not only preseason stuff, but for tomorrow and all that. And I mean, it's it's literally 10x what you can get get down here in, in Nevada right now. So it's just, you know, the the product is is just it's superior right now. And that doesn't mean that people can't catch up, but they're certainly behind as we sit right now. Well, as we uh, as we move on here, we do have the final four set in NCAA basketball, Houston and Baylor, UCLA and Gonzaga, Baylor, a five point favorite over Houston, 134 and a half your total. The Zags, a 14 point favorite in the final four over UCLA, 145 is your total there. These games going down on Saturday. Uh, Steven, I'll start with you and uh, I'll just do the one that, you know, I, I made an emphasis to talk about here with the Gonzaga being a f- two touchdown favorite here over UCLA as we uh, as we head into the final four. And listen, it's very hard to argue that they would not be a 14 point favorite over UCLA. Like I understand UCLA has been the darling here. I understand UCLA has overcome all the odds to get to where they're at. Gonzaga has won one game all year, not by double digits. I mean, it is ridiculous what this team has, has done, how efficient they are, how good they are. We were talking about this last week that I thought they were really, really good chalk, which is why I didn't bet any of these other teams' futures going into this because I thought Gonzaga was such incredible chalk. And it's it seems to me like they probably are just that much better than everybody else in college basketball this year. And, you know, just for some historical perspective on this spread, you know, in in the round of four, as far as we can go back on spreads, this is the biggest favorite in Final Four history, not including the championship game. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the next biggest was 1999 when Duke was an 11-point favorite over Michigan State. Now, I I have to believe that maybe, you know, back in 1985, if we were doing this then, you know, Georgetown over an 8C Villanova might have been a huge spread as well. But as far as we know, you know, this is the the largest spread in Final Four history. And Matt, you you kind of hit on it. It's justified, right? I mean, this team is un- Believable. You know, I had a, a a hater of mine that you know I, I went to college with who keeps <laughs> texting me. Ah, oh, Gonzaga still hasn't played anybody yet this year. You know, they, it would have been nice if they played <laughs> Michigan. Well, they they played right now in the Ken Palm rankings. The number six team, the number seven. They played. Uh, let's see here, the number eighteen team, and they played two other top thirty teams, and they bitch slapped them all. All yeah. right, they, they absolutely crushed them. So, you know, they are absolutely deserving of being a 14-point favorite. Uh, Ken Palm has them as a 12 for what it's worth. Uh, but, you know, for me, I'm looking at this game, and you know, I, I texted Brett before we started taping here, and I said, give me a reason why I shouldn't bet on the Gonzaga team total over 79.5 right now. And he's like, I got nothing for you. And, you know, I, I did it. I went and bet on it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Gonzaga is just on an absolute offensive tear. They had the number one offensive efficiency team in the country the previous two years as well. This one is rated even higher than that one. And it just seems no matter what type of opponent they they face and how slow of a tempo that opponent wants to play, USC fell into that category, Virginia fell into that category, it hasn't mattered. They've gone over that 79.5 total pretty much the entire year except for a couple of games that were just massive blowouts in the, West, in the, uh, in the WCC. So, 
you know, it's it's justified. I mean, I, you're not going to find somebody over here taking the points. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. What's the spread if Baylor and meets Gonzaga in the final? That is a great question. I don't give me give me a minute here to find it, but uh, you know, it's put it this way. You know, going into the round of four, uh, Gonzaga is minus two fifty to win the national title, and Baylor is plus two fifty. So whatever that comes out to. Yeah, I mean, I think you're probably looking. That's too much math for me. I mean, five or six, probably. Five or six in favor of Gonzaga. I mean, it it just. I think that they'll still be that big of a favorite. I mean, it just. It's. I mean, they're it, they're what minus eleven hundred to win this game. So they're you know just kind of ballpark math on their current futures odds. I mean, they're going to be at least a minus two hundred favorite against Baylor. You would have to imagine. Yeah, what a run it, by UCLA, by the way. I yeah, I mean they were that, like all is. but dead in that playing game against Michigan State, <laughs> and then they <laughs> go on this run. It's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean it is like it is it is unbelievable. Like what this just how good is how good Gonzaga has been, but also the the run by UCLA. I mean, listen, uh, it's it's still a it's still a huge school, and you know the, a lot of basketball pride there and all that. But I mean, this team is by far outkicked what everybody thought that they were going to do. Um, the other game, as we mentioned, is a five-point spread. It is Houston and Baylor. Look, um, Stephen, I I think Baylor is playing much, much closer to the Baylor that uh, earlier in the season people thought were at least kind of on the same level as Gonzaga. They kind of they kind of they kind of stumbled there for a little bit, looked a little bit pedestrian, looked like they could be taken down, but I think that this team has kind of gotten back to that level. Now, I think Gonzaga is still a far superior team, but I I think this will this will eventually be the end of the run here for Houston. Uh I do like Baylor in this game. I do too. I wonder if if the spread is just a, a, a touch too high. Uh, I don't really see Baylor blowing out Houston. Um, you know, Baylor is just amazing offensively, and I don't know if you saw that Elite Eight game, but like, but Davion Mitchell off the dribble is just unbelievable. Just has a gear that just blows by somebody and gets right to the rack before any help defense can get there. It's it's just so much fun to watch. But the one thing about Baylor is. They play a lot of guards. They don't have a ton of size inside. And if you watch any of Houston in this tournament, you know that they are just absolute gangbusters when it comes to hitting the offensive glass. So Houston in this matchup in particular matches up pretty well when they have the ball offensively. Um, they're, they're pretty close to the same ranking as Baylor's defense or better in most categories. But if you look at offensive rebounding, Houston's second in the country and Baylor is 273rd in allowing offensive rebounds. So, um, if if Houston continues to get second chance opportunities at a huge clip, like they have done this entire tournament and, and have how they've done the entire season, I don't think it's out of the question that this is a tight game late. Yeah, I, I'm I'm certainly it sounds horrible to say this, but like I, I'm looking forward to that one. Not necessarily not so, not necessarily so much the UCLA Gonzaga game. Like it just feels like that's a foregone conclusion already to me. Which is just no, I'm, I'm with you on that. I mean, it's it's a 14 point spread. At this point, you're kind of watching just 
to say maybe that you witness history, right? Like the first yeah. potentially undefeated team since Indiana in 1976. I mean, that's why we're watching at this point, right? Brett, what have you, uh, I know you've been watching at least the the later rounds here. I mean, just from, from what you've taken in, actually, you're probably a great person to talk to about this since you didn't watch a ton throughout the course of the season. When you watch Gonzaga, does does do you see what I see? Does does it just look like a completely different team than all all the other teams that are on the court? I did watch a little Gonzaga during this season, just because mm-hmm. I was I heard all the hype about this team, uh, and I came into this tournament with a conundrum because you know there's nothing I hate more than chalk. Oh. But I also I looked at this Gonzaga squad and I was like, how do they lose? So sometimes there is such a thing as good chalk, like you like you said earlier. So I mean, as far as filling out my bracket. I couldn't, I just, I like, you can't have them out in the, in the sweet 16. How are they losing? So I have them losing in the finals in some brackets, one and one to Baylor and one to Houston. So I guess I'm still drawing live there, but I just don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see them losing at all. Unless like Baylor, like really shoots the lights out from deep. I could see that maybe happening, but man, this, this Gonzaga team is so deep and so strong. Yeah, it is. uh, It is, it is going to be very, 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 uh, very interesting to see what would ha- what it would take for this team to I mean they win by 20 on Tuesday night and they shot like 30% from 3 like they didn't even like they 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 had a bad night from behind the arc and they still they still just dominated so it's just it's going to take something pretty spectacular for them to get knocked off um guys we we now know it's official there is going to be 17 games in the NFL next season with that it is going to knock off a preseason game. So awesome for us. One less week of preseason, one more week of actual bettable football games coming in. Uh, before we get into how this is, you know affects the betting market in general, um, I do want to talk about how this is tangently could affect betting markets and how we handicap games moving forward. So, Brett, I'll start with you on this one. With them extending to 17 games, I've heard a lot of people and I don't know where I stand on this. I kind of think that not really, but I've heard a lot of people worry about like load management throughout the course of the season because there's one extra game that's been added. Now, you know, again, I don't know if I totally buy into this because there's lots of times where we are sitting there in the fourth quarter and you can just watch on Twitter or you and I will actually just text each other back and forth where we go what the hell is insert player here still doing in the game? And like, we say this all the time. It's like these teams just don't rest these players. And so like, because there's one extra game, I'm like not completely sold that this means that players are going to start resting all over the place. Like this was like one of the theories that, that people were throwing around yesterday that like, man, it's going to be impossible to handicap these games because players are just going to be resting and this, that, and the other. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, unless you guys are privy to something, I'm not. These coaches just don't rest these friggin' players. Yeah, I don't see that happening, especially in meaningful games. You might see, now that we have one extra game, you might see, like, the Chiefs or teams that have already, like, locked up certain seeds by week 16 start to rest players a little earlier. So you might get rest in the form of that. But I don't see it changing otherwise. Uh, these, these co- a lot of these coaches are super stubborn, uh, and they just aren't going to change their ways. 
Stephen, we've moved pretty much. So if you talk about the positions where this could like really affect whatever, like we've essentially moved to running back duos in the NFL as it is anyway, right? Like there are literally a handful of teams that primarily use one running back where everybody these days uses two or three even. So you're talking about like, you know, no real reason to load management those that position because there are dudes that literally are rotating in and out as it is anyway. Um, you know, pass rushers, I understand they might get a little bit, you know, but pass rushers, maybe you, maybe they maybe quit playing on, you know, first or second down quite as much. And, and there is a little bit just more third down emphasis or something, but I don't know. Do you, do you see a 17 game schedule, you know, impacting the way these teams really focus their game plans? No, I don't think so. For the most part, I mean, you know, quarterbacks are the biggest indicator for for line movement and you know they're not going to rest their starting quarterback at the end of the season unless they've already locked up a a playoff spot for you know what would now be like week 18 Um, but other than that I mean you know I could see maybe a situation where a player is maybe coming back from injury that they might rest them another week to make sure now that you know the Mm -hmm. The big thing that I I keep thinking about is the fact that there's only one playoff bye week per conference, right? So if it's clear that you can't contend anymore for that top seed in your conference, then how much value is there really to hosting a playoff game versus potentially being a wild card in the first round uh, in this new format? I mean, the first year of it, we saw the Bucs win, you know, road games every round until the Super Bowl and then win the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, these teams, I think, are always going to make sure that their players are as as healthy as possible. But if it's a big game towards the end of the year, then, yeah, they're not going to rest them. They're not going to load manage them whatsoever. So, um, you know, I, that's not how I the that's not how I look at this added game from a betting perspective and wary at this point. So, Brett, what we did see is when this gets announced, the uh, books wasted no time in posting win totals and there are 17 games in a season now the Houston Texans four and a half is your win total for them under, the Detroit under. Lions is a flat five so we have a four and a half and a five in a 17 game season for those two teams uh, as we go down you would expect some of the teams that you would you know perennial powerhouses to have a, a bigger win total. And of course, you know, the Bucks defending champion, 11 and a half, the Ravens 11. So big double digit numbers there. The Colts are in at 10. The Bills are in at 10 and a half. The Chiefs at 12, 12 of the 17 games. Rams at 10 and a half. Uh, Packers at 10 and a half as well. The one that stuck out to me the most, Brad, and that maybe I'm just a little bit lower on, you know, some of these some of these teams than maybe some of these others are but like I don't I mean I do understand that I do understand that four and a half and five is like a are are, are tiny like they're definitely tiny numbers but I, it would not surprise me if the Texans are winless in week 14 15 like this would not surprise me in the least bit the way that this team has gone like we know it does not look like Deshaun Watson's going to be under center one way or the other whether it's because he gets traded or whether because of these legal troubles that he's got going on the you know Will Fuller's out of town they have no playmakers on this team they've got to I mean they have like 19 running backs that's about it um I don't know if it's low enough on a team like the Texans and the Lions 
Yeah, it really depends on what percentage you think Deshaun Watson plays this year. If you think he has a decent chance of playing, I guess just bet the over. Because he's worth several wins by himself. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know what to do with them. I mean, yeah, my my initial lean is just to this squad is so I mean, this was already one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year, and they did nothing. They've done nothing to improve their defense. And yeah, they've, they've gotten, you know, some of these guys are now out of town. The actual playmakers they had are gone and now they don't have a quarterback. So how where where are the four wins? I don't care if they're playing 20 games. Uh, yeah, where are yeah. the four wins coming from? And but that like, defense, that defense wasn't any good last year oh either. Uh, the def- and now J.J. Watt's out of town as well. And he was commanding a double team. So any success that they did have, like that, that he's now gone. I mean, Steven, it just, I don't know. I, I understand four and a half is tiny, but it would not surprise me if this is a one win or two win team. But would you guys agree that you can't, you can't lock this in right now until we know what's up with, with Deshaun Watson? Like, even if you know, all of these allegations turn out to, you know, uh, turn out to have a a suspension from Roger Goodell when he misses half the season. You know, even if, you know, he, because if if they are still not answering calls. So I believe that he's going to get traded at some point. Uh, The Texans still are adamant that they're not going to trade him. Deshaun Watson saying he will not play for them, even if he's not traded. I don't know how that would work. But would you agree from a betting perspective that I can't fire on this until we at least have some some kind of clarity on on whether Deshaun Watson is going to be on the roster or not. I feel like if I want the four and a half at minus 110, which is what I can get it at right now, mm-hmm. I kind of just have to speculate because if he's not going to play, yeah, people are going to pound. Yeah, they're going to pound the under on this. Yep. Um so I, I kind of think I'm just going to read the tea leaves and something like that and and mm-hmm. just go ahead and bet it. Um, Brett, I mean, I, again, I, I I don't see a way he plays more than five or six games this year, whether it be from a holdout standpoint or whether it be from this investigation that's going on with him or suspension or whatever, whatever it might be. I, I just, it seems very unlikely to me that he plays very many games this year. Yeah, it's hard. How much do we believe that? How much do we believe that he would actually sit out the season? It's hard for me to get there as well, but he really is unhappy. He does not want to play for that organization. So I, I understand what Steven's saying. It really, it's, it's hard because we don't have a lot of information. But at the same time, if you don't think Watson's going to play, you're not going to get a number better than this right now. So under four and a half is probably a, a sharp play. Were there any other numbers out there that surprised you at all? Were there any of the numbers? I mean, uh, the 49ers at ten and a half. Um, is pretty interesting. It's already been bet on the underside, Stephen, a pretty healthy amount. It's already at minus 150 on the under at 10.5 for the 49ers. Uh, I do understand maybe why you would look that way. They're going to be moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to be, looks like they're going to be using a rookie quarterback this year. But this team was competitive all last year, and it was one of the most injury-riddled teams in the entire NFL. I mean, every single week, it was a couple players on offense. It was basically the whole defense all season long was was on the injury report or on IR. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it, the 49ers, I think, could maybe do a, a little bit of damage this year if they can get, you know, if they can avoid all these injury situations. If yeah, if healthy kind of reminds me of the Colts of the NFC from a year Mm -hmm. ago, right? Like really well-rounded, talented roster up and down the positions with the exception of quarterback. They're still trying to figure out the quarterback position. So 
Um, you know, I can certainly see why people are betting the under on that. Um, I will say it's it's interesting to me that the 49ers were the one team among those. There were only three teams who were projected uh, to win more than 20% of the games that they won a year ago, accounting for the, the change from 16 to 17 games. Mm-hmm. The other two were just really bad teams, the Jaguars and the Jets. So, you, you know, you set their line a little higher because you're not going to set it at one and a half or two and a half. So they're at six and a half. The 49ers were the only potential playoff team to see that big of a rise from six wins a year ago now at, at a projected 10 and a half. And you can decide whether you want the over or the under. The other thing, too, is here the division. I mean, the Rams added a great quarterback in Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, the Cardinals aren't going anywhere. Might get a pass rusher back in Chandler Jones. You know, Seattle, you know, there's a, you know all the Russell Wilson rumors about him being disgruntled. But, you know, we know that team's going to be competitive with, if he's there. So, I mean, that's that's potentially top to bottom the toughest division in football. So that's it's hard to see 11 wins, even though the Niners went to the Super Bowl two years ago, um, especially if they are going to go with a, a rookie quarterback. Yeah. Brett, as you look at these numbers, as you look over them, I mean, you, you're Buffalo Bills sitting at 10 and a half. That division looks to be at least a little bit improved, if not vastly improved. Uh, were there any numbers on any of these teams that when they initially came out kind of jumped off the page at you? I spent way too much time thinking about Houston. I haven't, I haven't really <laughs> taken a deep dive into these yet. Buffalo is definitely interesting because I, th- I do think Miami is on their way up. Uh, you got Miami's number is only nine, but you got to pay minus one twenty one juice at DraftKings to to get that over. The Patriots are probably going to be trash. The Jets should be improved. Um, Were you surprised how low the Steelers number was? I mean, after not 12 really. wins a year ago? Not really. That team is trending down. I mean, I certainly see why, right? With the with the concerns that Roethlisberger is another year older and they lost yeah. a lot of defensive pieces. Yeah. But, I mean, eight and a half now is a projected 500 record. And you got to decide whether they're going to be a 500 team mm-hmm. or, or above 500 team or a below 500 team. We've yeah, been talking I, about that team for for two years. They miss, I think they missed their window. I think they're, I I think they're on their way out. I do too. I, I, I missed the... Well, I mean, this just already got just bet to where I can't bet it anymore, but I just, uh, the other one that really stopped to me, I really loved the Browns at over nine and a half. Like I'm pretty bullish on the Browns mm-hmm. this year. They're getting healthy on the defensive side of the ball. People forget that they were without their, you know, two star playmakers, Grant Delpit and, and Greedy Williams were out to uh, all season last year. And like, so, I mean, two of their starting big time playmakers never even saw the field for this Browns team. And then, on the offensive side of the ball, I think they really figured some stuff out last year. I do really like the over nine and a half, but uh, apparently everybody else did as well because yeah. it's already up to <laughs> minus one fifty on that. That one's headed towards ten and a half. Yeah, that one's. You know what? If it gets up to ten, a flat ten, maybe it's something I would uh, I would go ahead and bet the over on as well. I'm pretty bullish on the Browns. I'm sure they'll just prove me wrong, Stephen. But uh, I, I like what they've done with that team. I like the way they were trending at the end of last year as well. And uh, again, like I said, you, you can't really you can't really discredit what getting back, you know, two major pieces on your defense is going to be. Plus, they added to the defense as well. Just love that coaching staff as well with Kevin Stefanski. I mean, you know, they're going to be run first with Nick Chubb, you know, in, in my opinion, the best early down back in the NFC. I'm sorry, in the AFC, um, you know, I, former rushing champion out of the AFC, um, 
you know, other than Derrick Henry, um, I, I think Nick Chubb's right up there. Um, I just think they're just so well coached. They finally have somebody in place to do the right thing with all of these pieces. You have a GM and Andrew Berry, who is, you know, a Harvard guy, smart as a whip, understands how to build a roster from the ground up and, and knows how to make smart acquisitions as well. So if they need something midseason, he's going to know how to get it and, and, and the right pay, the right price to pay for it. So, um, especially with the Steelers dropping off. And we saw what the Browns did to the Steelers at the end of the season last year, just absolutely pistol whipped them. So I, I love that pick. Um, you know, a, another team that I'm curious about, this is a team that I was, I was kind of high on at the beginning of the off season. And I'm curious what you guys think. Um, I think that the NFC East is still probably the easiest path to the playoffs in the NFC. And Washington, again, one of those rosters that's pretty well-rounded, right, with the exception mm-hmm. of quarterback. Great defense last year, really started playing fantastic towards the end of the year with Chase Young. Great young running back in Antonio Gibson. Great number one wide receiver in Terry McLaurin. They add Curtis Samuel. Now they have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think is still serviceable. I He's going to do the right things. And an over-under right now of just eight wins on the season. So if they if they finish one game below uh, the 500 mark now with a 17-game schedule at eight and nine, it's a push. If they finish one game above 500 at nine and eight, it's a win. Yeah, I guess my thing there is I think the only way – the only way – the only path for them in is is – to get over would also mean that they would win the division. Cause again, like you're saying, I think the division's so weak. And so I believe that if they get over that total, they probably win the division as it is anyway. And so with that, you can get plus 180 on Washington to make the playoffs. So you can Love actually that. get nearly two to one on Washington to make the playoffs as opposed to just the over eight where you're paying minus 121 juice. Uh, Brett, I mean, it, it really depends on what, what people believe in Dallas. If, if they're going to have this big bounce back, you know, is Dak actually going to be Dak? Is there going to, are they going to play any sort of semblance of defense? I mean, that, that really is what it comes down to. I don't know. I might actually favor Washington at this point in time over, over Dallas. I want to see Washington's schedule. I don't know who, I don't know which divisions they play, but they 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 won the division last year. They're going to have the toughest schedule in the NFC East this year too. So that's one one thing you're going to want to look at when the schedules are released. But I I look I I liked Washington last year. I think that this is a team that's trending up, and we we love Ryan Fitzpatrick on this podcast. Yeah. So I, yes. I I can get behind that. Just. Give that offense some life. It, they haven't had it in such a long time. We know what this defense can do. No quarterback has thrown into tight windows more over the last three seasons than <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so Love if it. anything, that is going to help a guy like Terry McLaurin because he's played with all these conservative quarterbacks and or quarterbacks that have no accuracy at all. So it's either been Haskins or Alex Smith throwing him the, the ball. So, I mean, if anything, it should help him out with Fitzpatrick as well. Um, Curtis Samuel is going to make things interesting. I do really like Washington. Ooh, I just saw the opponents, well. guys. I just saw the opponents. You ready? Uh, the Bucks, Chiefs, Chargers, and Seahawks at home, uh, as well as the Saints, road games out of the division that include the Falcons, Panthers, Broncos, Packers, Raiders. That's a lot tougher than last year. 
I'm really down on the Saints, but that's just uh, maybe I'm just being uh, maybe I'm being Brett. That's Brett was fair. always down on the Bills. Brett was always down on the Bills, so I'm always, I'm I'm super down on the Saints this year. Brett, I'm following in your path. You like it? Does it make you feel good that I'm down on my own team? Um, all right, so let's uh, with opening day here. Let's give some final thoughts on Major League Baseball. Uh, where we're at, I can go ahead and run down all the bets that I made heading into the season here. So. Uh, Astros over 87 and a half wins, White Sox under 90 and a half wins, A's under 86 and a half wins, Cardinals under 86 and a half wins, Pirates over 58 and a half wins. I bet Jacob deGrom to win the Cy Young at four, uh, 4.25 plus 425. I bet Kenta Maeda to win the Cy Young at plus 2,500. Hey, and, all I, right. and I bet Adalberto Mondesi, to uh, lead the league in stolen bases at minus 125. Um, those are all of the future bets that I made. Brett, on the eve of uh, on the eve of Major League Baseball kicking off here, what did you uh, what do you have in your account? I'm back on the Rays uh, to win mm-hmm. the to win. I guess to win everything. They just continue to get overlooked by the betting public. Longer odds to succeed than last year. And yeah, they lost two of their three stud pitchers. But I mean, if there's a team that isn't affected by that in all of baseball, it is Tampa. This this pitching staff is a unit, and uh, they have some incredible talent waiting in the wings. Patino, of course, Wander Franco, the number one prospect in baseball. If he if and when he gets the opportunity uh, looking around less than 2% of the actions coming in on Tampa to win the world series and they're plus 2,500. So I, I, I would rather bet them to win the AL East and AL, which I have, but yeah. I will have money on them to win the world series as well. And then I uh, mentioned the tigers and the Mariners last week as buys on their over uh, win total. So I've got that. And then, yeah, I've got, I've got a decent chunk of money on the white Sox unders uh, on their win total. That's that just, that's a slam dunk under for me. Yeah, it just that's it's such a high it's such a high number. And then you lose a dude that was projected to hit, you know, basically 40 home runs with 100 plus RBI. And and now he's gone out of the heat of your lineup. So, like, I didn't like the number anyway. And then a guy that was supposed to be that productive is now going to be out of the lineup as well. Um, I, I really, really love the under and I had this before the, the injury anyway. So it only just makes my ticket feel even that much better. With him, uh, with him being out of there, Stephen, do you have any futures in your account as we speak? I do. Uh, show bet there on the Cy Young winners, Jacob Degrom in the NL, Kenta Maeda in the AL. We talked about that last show. Uh, what number did you get Degrom at again, Matt? I got Degrom plus four twenty-five. That's what I got as well. Anything mm. lower than that, I would hesitate. But I, I'm I'm pretty good on that. And if people want to hear why, they can go back on on the last episode and hear why. Uh, Win totals, I'm I'm taking the under 90, 90 and a half wins on the White Sox. Cardinals, under 86 and a half wins. Athletics, I agree with you there, under 86 and a half wins. Uh, among divisions or, or pennant futures, um, the long shot in the National League I'm going to take is the Milwaukee Brewers. I think if they're healthy, um, they have a, a good enough lineup and good enough pitching in a wide open division, in my opinion. Um, I got 30 to one on them to win the National League. And the best part about that is if they pull that off, it seems pretty highly likely that the Dodgers would have the best record in the National League and they would play the winner of the wild card game, which this year would most likely or potentially have the second best team in the National League in the San Diego Padres. So if Milwaukee wins the division, they would not have to play one of the two best teams until the NLCS. 
and you could potentially hedge out for a profit there if you wanted to if they got by the NL East winner. Um, other than that, I like the Astros in the AL West plus one thirty. Uh, the Twins, you know, again, fading the White Sox right now. Twins are the second choice in the AL Central at plus 150. Uh, in the AL, I'm going to take a shot on the Astros 22 to 1 to win the World Series. I like the Astros overs too, but I'm not betting on those pukes. Uh, <laughs> he, hates, he hates the Astros so much. I have Astros. Uh, I also have Astros. I was saving it because I wanted to uh, I wanted to end the show on it with uh, to get Brett's opinion. Yes, I also have the Astros. To win the World Series as well uh, is the final future that I have in my account. Brett, a very, very staunch Astros hater. So uh, I don't want to hear any. Bra- if they do go on to win the World Series, I don't want to hear any bragging on this show that you got them at plus two twenty two hundred to win. I don't want to hear any of that. Don't bring that to this show. <laughs> I'm already going to I'm already going to be so angry that they won in the first place. Here's where I'm at with this, though. Right. I mean, they cheated. They got caught. They, uh, you know, they they paid their prices, but then they came out and it was almost like they turned heel WWE style. They were doing interviews and they were being, you know, brash and, um, you know, obnoxious and saying, you know, people want to hate us. Bring it on. I'm not going to I, I kind of respect it, guys. I kind of oh. respect that they weren't apologetic about the whole thing and yeah. just said, whatever, bring on everybody. Look, I said this to Brett, just a. Uh, as a as a joke in the in our Slack deal, I was like, "You must be of the you must be of the mindset that it's easy to hit a ninety mile an hour slider if you hear a couple <laughs> slaps on a trash can." Which uh, let me assure you, it's not easy to hit a ninety mile an hour slider because you had heard a couple of slaps on a trash can. But uh, I get it. I understand the hate. Look, they. They paid the price. Here they go. They're going to come out. People are people hate them so much that I'm getting great value on them. And so yep. I, I love that. I we love talked it. about that last year, too. I liked them last year as well. Yeah, I love but. that people hate them so much that I'm getting good value on them. Yes, Springer's out of town, but you're getting back Jordan Alvarez. So like you're you're getting back a guy that into the lineup that you didn't have last year that actually is supposed to be even a bigger bat. So I'm I, I'm a OK with the Astros as well with all this. And guys, as we know, big golfer, big golf betters here on this podcast. And we are going to have a entire show dedicated to the Masters for you on Monday so that you have plenty of time to ingest the material take it do what you will with it go bet fade us whatever it might be but uh we're going to give you the opportunity to do all of that so be sure and uh check your podcast feed and if you're not going to the lines.com backslash podcast then be sure and subscribe rate and review on all the places that you listen to podcasts because we are on google we are on apple we're on stitcher we're on spotify we're on all those so go and subscribe and make sure that that gets automatically delivered to you because uh We've been on, listen, Brett, we're, we're adding yet another good golf betting guy onto the podcast and not to brag, but we've been on a pretty decent, been on a pretty decent heater for the, about the last, about last year and some months. I didn't even get to talk about Billy Horschel last week. Billy Horschel, I was so high on Billy Horschel last week. And then the guy just goes on and wins the match play. That was beautiful. But yeah, we have, we have been hitting golf bets all year long. And uh, yeah, it's, it's some good momentum going into the Masters. Listen, you're talking to a guy who was on Colin Morikawa on both of his wins for the past year. So, you know, let's do it, boys. Let's have a Masters week. Let's, let's rake in some cash here on, on what is my favorite event of the year for sure. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be awesome. And and listen, the 
the markets will be abundant because the, the books know that it is the most popular golf event of the year and they will make sure that there are endless amounts of offers for you out there. So we'll be sure and try to highlight those as we go through as well. Again, if you want to follow us on the Twitter machine at Matt Brown M2, at Brett Colson, at Steven Andrus one, we uh, suggest you go ahead. Look, it's free. All right. You can get my bad and horrible takes for free. All you got to do is hit the follow button and you can get all of my garbage that I spew on Twitter for absolutely zero dollars and zero cents. So might as well go ahead and do that while you're at it. Of course, take in all of the great work over at the lines and play picks while you're at it, head over to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash play picks and subscribe over there as well for Steven for Brett. I'm Matt. Talk to you guys on Monday. 